Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. It's good to be back. I know. (laughs) I know. It's been a while, guys. Life gets busy. I'm sure you understand, but we appreciate you sticking with us and listening to our new episodes. Today, we're really excited um, to share with you information on AAC. Rachel attended a conference recently that she's going to give us some information on, as well as Core in the Community and that project that she's been working on. And I'm really excited to hear about it and pick her brain a little bit. So Rachel, I'll let you get started. Yeah. So I went to the talking AAC conference. Um, I think it was two weeks ago now and I went for both days and I feel like it's a smaller conference. Um, they said this was their ninth year. Um, but you know, coming off of some of those COVID years, it was like, I think they were transitioning to, majority in person they did still have some virtual options which I do just like for like accessibility you know not everyone's in Michigan and whatever but um I attended some really cool sessions and I just wanted to kind of like I don't know like word vomit everything that I took in and kind of like bounce it off you and see what you think Mm -hmm. for sure okay so the first thing that I love that they did was they opened the conference with an AAC user. And I know that's something we've talked a lot about on our um, episodes talking about like autistic voices and like learning from people who stutter. And, you know, like we can't really call ourselves an expert because we haven't lived that and like walked in those shoes. So anyways, I like that they opened the conference with an AAC user and they opened with Mateo and his mom, which I thought was a really unique, kind of like dichotomy bouncing off of each other. So Mateo had this whole presentation about how he's an AAC user and he used his device and pre-recorded it. And he talked about like his interests and things that he enjoys doing. And one of the things that he really stressed is that like, he's so outgoing and would love to chat with any and everyone. And people just assume that because he has an AAC device, you know, like he doesn't have a lot to say, or, you know, he's like, people have assumed that I can't do things that are like very easy for me. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And, um, his mom then spoke after that and, um, she said, probably one of my favorite quotes for the whole conference was that I will always be his ally and his advocate, but I will never be his voice. Oh, I love that. I know. I was like, wow, we are starting off on a high note. Yeah. yeah. So I like that we got to, you know, hear like an AAC user perspective and then also a parent perspective. And that's something for us to think about too. Like, yeah, the mm-hmm. goal is not for us to be their voice. Like mm-hmm. that's just simmer on that. I think that's a great, yeah. I love that quote too. That's awesome. Um, I love the, like everybody deserves a voice, which is so yes. true. We just have to make sure we're not doing that, like overstepping or, you know, there right. comes the hot debate of like hand over hand, like right. is the is person individual really choosing what they want if you're doing hand over hand, right. um, just an example. And that was, that kind of opened up my eyes when she said that. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, you know, and then you get to pick like your breakout sessions. So one, I think the first one that I attended was two SLPs were in from LA and they talked about their ginormous school district where they literally have hundreds of SLPs and, you know, it's just so big. Mm -hmm. Um, and they talked about their whole AAC program and it really got me thinking because what they were saying was so wildly different from like what's in my district, what's in my county. So Claire, I wanna ask you because I know you were in the schools for a little bit. They said that they had like building SLPs and mm -hmm. also they're in a state where they can have SLPAs. So, you know, they have assistance in that regard too, but then they also have specific assistive technology coaches. And I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah. We did not have it in our district either, Okay, but I've, I've heard of that and I don't even know where, but it mm -hmm. sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, so our this, district is super, the district I was in was super small though. So yeah. I don't know if that's the reason why, how cool. That I know. So they have 13 in their district. Now again, just for the district and they like were AAC. just, yes. And they like handle the you know, like if you're a building SLP and you think an AAC device would be really helpful or some sort of assistive technology, whether it's a switch or a go talk or a big, whatever, mm -hmm. they walk you through like the assessment process, which a lot of people are kind of like shaky on and scared away from. Like, I yes. feel like a lot of SLPs don't do it because it's such a process. Mm -hmm. So they walk you through the assessment process, they walk you through filling out and getting a device. And it was not clear on if the school district provides that, or if they're writing a grant, or mm -hmm. if they're doing like a trial through, you know, whatever company. Yeah. Um, and then they like touch base with them throughout the year. And it's like a very documented wow. streamlined process. That's so nice. Isn't because seriously, so nice? like we have, and we currently have two like reps in mm -hmm. the region that will come and mm -hmm. like trial different devices, but they're not a part of like writing up a report for a device or like yeah. even walking you through because reps are awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I love the fact that we have reps that are accessible, but they're specific to the companies. So they're, it's not yeah. me to see all of the options. It's just the options within the company. So you kind of right. have to pick a company and run with it. Whereas this sounds like it's more broad, mm -hmm. like they know everything, like all yeah. the options. Yeah. They're like, cool. let's try a lamp. Let's yeah. try a TD awesome. snap. Let's do it. Whatever. Yeah. So the entire time I was listening, I was just like, I wish we had a fraction of that for our district. Seriously. How cool would that be too? Like how much time that would save? And like, it just goes back. I feel like SLPs are expected mm -hmm. to know and do way too much. Way and that's too just much. One of those things, like you expect us to write a 10 page report about getting a, a child an AAC device. Like it's just when, when do we have the time to do that? It's insane. <sighs> yeah. So that was pretty eye-opening. Then I went to a session that was all about different features that an iPad has that you like probably don't even know about. So they talked about, you know, the use of switches and um, for individuals that have physical limitations, like the use of a head mouse, mm -hmm. the difference between like a mouse and a trackball, stuff like that. But I would say the bulk of the session, um, she went over voice control, which she demoed a lot, which I loved being able to see that, but it is so cool. So I guess that would be more for people with physical limitations that aren't able to like actually click 
the icon or click the button or type the sentence, but she showed how you can put a grid on your screen and associate that with an icon. She showed how, I mean, just so many different options that like once you get really deep into like settings and accessibility on your iPad, you don't even know we're there. Which is so cool because that's things that most people have an iPad. So like mm-hmm. way more accessibility than getting a whole new device. Right. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Um, that one was cool. And then um, probably my favorite one, which is, I know we're going to talk about like my core in the community project, but Kelly Key, which that's a name to Google because she is like doing amazing things with her program, talked all about core and different ways to implement core in your district. And she prefaced, and I will also preface with, this is a project she's been working on for 15 years, right? So you have to remind yourself that after sitting in a session, listening to like all of these amazing ideas and you're like, oh my gosh, where do I start? Like, no, it took her 15 years to get to this point. Um, but she talked about how she hosts parent nights and student nights and how she implements AAC with games and how they have um, kind of like a newsletter that comes out each week. And she records quick demo videos to send out to her team. Um, I, I just could listen to her talk about it all day because she has so many resources. And actually I did find a really good resource that you guys would be able to just like quick look up. It's on talkingwithtech.org. I think we can probably include the link in our show notes if you guys, yeah. Yeah, wanna put that in there. Yeah, so she just like gives a quick overview of CORE and like how she's implementing it um, in her district and how she touches base with, you know, different, SLPs, but not only the SLPs, like the SLPs, the paras, the classroom teachers, and how she hosts entire professional developments and gives every single person in that training a device. And guess what? That's the only thing they can use to communicate during the session because she stressed so many times, which I think a lot of AAC people do, you are never going to learn the device until you're hands-on and guess what now that's your voice and you have to communicate Mm -hmm. you can know where the folder is for food you can know how to say I want more you can do the simple things but until someone asks you a question and you don't even know how to access that vocabulary how are your students gonna know that and you don't know the question that's coming like that's Mm -hmm. the big thing when we're providing therapy we have a plan like we know what we're asking so of Mm -hmm. course we like practice through how we're going to get to it and how we're going to teach them to find it. Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. I was just saying today to my intern, we were working on a goal with a student and um, he's working on requesting more all done. And, you know, we were setting up the scenario and then I like took a step back and I was like, none of this is functional. Mm -hmm. Like who cares if we're playing Candyland and we like stop to pause. Do you want more? Are you all done? Like that right. is not functional. Yeah. Yeah. Like we need to get into the classroom. We need to push into a math center, for example. And that's the perfect time to take a look at is the student using the proper request for more and all done. Are they just waiting the teacher out and they're kind of like floating by until time's up? Yeah. Um, so I love that she does that her for her professional developments. Yeah. I feel like that's 
an idea that now I want to bring to my department for one of my department meetings. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And then the last session that I was in um, was all about inclusive writing practices. And um, David Copenhaver is the author of Comprehensive Literacy for All, which kind of, I don't know if it was like a TikTok explosion or like an Instagram blow up, but this book got huge. And it was really funny. He was talking about um, his kids saying like, dad, um, you're like a really popular author. And he was like, no, I'm a really, I have a really popular book in a very tiny category, (laughs) which is so funny. Um, (laughs) But if you guys haven't read that book, I highly recommend. It's great. We can also link that, but he just really stressed. um, It was him and one of his graduate students um, from Appalachian State University, I believe. And they just really stressed like moving away from those standard writing practices. He said one of his biggest pet peeves when he was getting his children's work back was it was covered in red pen. There's corrections all over it. We're placing like a giant emphasis on spelling and punctuation for students that it is literally taking everything out of them just to get ideas out. Right. And then they go through all of that work and then guess what? They get their paper back. And it's like ripped to shreds with red writing everywhere. He's like, why can't we move to a practice where he called it a brain dump? Like I'm giving you a category, which is probably something that's desired, right? Like a focus. Like I have a student, a client that loves monster trucks. So let's start there. I want you to tell me everything you can about monster trucks and let's like jot it down Mm -hmm. and then take a look. And then he went through this whole process of how they move from that like brainstorming of the brain dump and pop it into sentences. He was like, and at this point, we don't care about if something's not capitalized. We don't care about perfect spelling because that's not the point. The point is you want to encourage the student to enjoy writing and then work on those like proper spacing, period, whatever. He's like, I'm not saying those things aren't important, but if we're really focusing on inclusive writing practices, so for our students that are maybe cognitively impaired, or um, he even talked about like ADHD, those students that really focus with just the attention to one task, Mm -hmm. we really need to build up their confidence to start. And then we can take a deeper look. And that was another session where I was like, you just listen to something and you're like, duh, it's so obvious, but it's also so brilliant. Right. Or like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm thinking of kids that are on my caseload and like, Mm -hmm. that's the answer that Mm -hmm. I've been trying to find. That's so interesting. Yeah. I just, um, and I've, I've read his book, but I feel like I need to go back after listening to him talk because that was a session that they offered, um, both in person and virtual at the conference. And I mean, there were over a hundred people virtual listening to him and the room that I was in was packed because he is like so sought after for that but um it was so good that's awesome I love it oh I love we were just talking about before we started recording like conferences just Mm -hmm. even hearing about it makes Mm -hmm. me want to like learn more like keep going it gives Mm -hmm. you like so much just like energy I guess and really just pushes us forward. And I think that's, what's so cool about our profession is that like, 
we keep learning all these Mm -hmm. things and we kind of find our niches too. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we, as we go on and we learn more, we like find ways to implement that in our community, for example. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so Rachel, what are you doing? I, I honestly guys haven't even really heard about this yet. So I'm really excited to hear about her project she's doing. This is like my baby, my passion project. And I don't know, it's just like continued to kind of evolve as it's gone on. So I guess where it started was in the spring, my um, supervisor came to me and she was like, Rachel, I went to this conference where the school district um, somewhere is implementing core stuff um, like out in local venues and resources. And I think this is really something that people in our district can benefit from. She's like, I just want you to brainstorm some ideas. So I'm like, cool, I can do that. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, what are our first responders? That's kind of where I started. What are our first responders using to communicate with people who are um, non-speaking or non-verbal? So I, our school district services um, for cities. So I called all of those cities, police departments and fire departments. And I talked to all of the chiefs, like all of the head people. And I'm like, hi, I'm Rachel Hensley. I'm a speech pathologist mm-hmm. at this district. And I wanna know what you're using to communicate in these situations. Crickets, I bet. Crickets. Mm-hmm. I want this pause to be long and dramatic, you guys, because it was painful hearing like, I've never thought of that. Yeah, We don't have anything. One um, place said they have an interpreter, but guess what? They don't work nights and weekends and holidays. So, and is it an interpreter for like languages mm-hmm. though? Is what, mm-hmm. yeah, I was going to say they are. I was like, like, oh, do they point. even know sign language? Right. No, right. <sighs> you guys, I wish you could see my face now. And I wish you could have seen my face when I did it because like, blood boiling, upset does not even describe it. And I was like, this is a major, major problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because something as simple as like needing assistance from fire EMS police should be accessible to all. Mm -hmm. And that communication piece is really lacking. So I kind of took that and ran with it. Um, I think core in the community as a whole is something you know, that requires a lot of steps. So I've been working on um, a workbook for SLPs to kind of get this going in their areas. And it kind of goes through all of the steps. And the biggest part um, is funding. You know, it's really hard to find funding. I'm in a school district, funds are tight. We don't have extra funds to like throw at community partners and whatnot. So, um, I did a lot of research and I found a lot of organizations that are willing to help. You just have to know where to look, Mm -hmm. um, faith-based organizations or rotary clubs or nonprofits, like people that want to give away money. And a lot of times they're, you know, these organizations are looking to give away money and they don't even know who to give it to. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of long story short there, I got hooked up with a rotary club, that picked up our entire project. And that project was to provide bags um, to all of these police and fire departments with materials in them for individuals that have sensory needs. So there's noise canceling headphones, weighted lap pads, there's fidgets, um, there's core boards in there for like specific 
um, emergency situations. Mm -hmm. um, there's a letter and number board in there so people are able to like spell out their address um, or phone number or name, um, you know, things that people may not be able to do. And also you have to remember that in emergency situations, you know, that makes people really anxious. And if communicating is difficult in the first place, yeah. um, that's something that's really important to kind of keep in mind. So mm -hmm. we started there and then we kind of expanded into local venues in our community. So I had kind of like a, I don't know, fishbowl think tank with um, all the SLPs in our district. And I'm like, I want you to talk to your kids and find out where they go. And we made this giant list, like public libraries, trampoline parks, rec centers, restaurants, blah, blah, blah. And I started with libraries, rec centers, stuff like that. And I started reaching out and I'm like, hi, what do you use to communicate with people that are non-speaking or non-verbal? And again, crickets, right? Because if like police and fire departments don't have it, guess what? Your like airtime trampoline park isn't going to have it most likely. We don't want to assume that, but in my experience so far, it's been like right. that. So um, we worked on nailing down funding for that and um, worked with like a county resource to get a good core board. Um, and, you know, all of these uh, community partners that have donated money or worked on this project, they all get their logo on the board. You know, that's really good to advertise those people that are willing to help. And you want to make sure that they are present, um, however you can do that. But we started ordering like all of these mass posters and signs to even display like in a lobby saying we have core boards available. And um, it is just kind of, I don't like in the movie Flubber, like how it starts out tiny and then like grows and, and grows. Like and grows. <laughs> yeah. That's where we are. And um, that's I, so cool, Rachel. Yeah, I started doing work with the nonprofit that I work with. Communication is key yeah. um, on that. And we actually applied for a couple grants, um, again, through a foundation that wants to give away money. And one of them is all on core in the community. And guess what? That gala is in two days and we got invited. So oh my gosh, so cool. Fingers crossed. I'm really, really hoping they picked it up. So I will have to give you guys an update on the next episode because I'm very hopeful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's very amazing. Hopeful. So, yeah. so what, like, I guess what's your big goal with this? Like mm -hmm. you would you expand outside of just your like city or town or wherever you've kind of been? Yeah. So or like how would other SLPs, I guess? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I've been stuck, right? I'm yeah. like, I have this great idea, but if it only stays in my bubble, like is it really that impactful? So yes, I first it, <laughs> of all, it is. It is still impactful. So do not downplay that. Yeah, Sorry. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am working on a workbook to kind of at some point push out to SLPs um, yeah. that kind of like implements like if you want to start, this is where you do it. This is yeah. how you do it. Um, I do think that the partner that I have right now in my nonprofit is fantastic because they do a lot with um, playground core boards. So mm -hmm. like we have some going up in Arizona right now. Cool. We have a project, I know very conveniently so close to one of my friends. So I'm gonna oh, go visit her and- Love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess my, my like goal or vision is once I kind of have the process completely nailed down, 
like I'm just going to try and rally the troops. And yeah, the best way to sure. do that is like this crazy social media push. And I'm yes. hopeful that that will reach a lot of people. Well, and even this, like mm-hmm. feel free to reach out to Rachel for sure. Like yeah. if people listening have ideas on their area, like what they want to do mm-hmm. or like wanting to bring it to their area. I think that's so cool. Um, and it is clearly something needed. I mean, if it's that needed in your community, you're definitely not the only area. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking about my own as well. And how cool would it be like, cause it is, it's a lot of work mm-hmm. also on your part. Like you can't possibly have the manpower to do this for every single place. Right. Like you can't. Right. Um, so it takes, it takes a village. So like, yeah, I have to make like a little together. army. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. <laughs> well, and I'm thinking to an art community of like starting, cause I work at a university, like with mm-hmm. grad students, like what a cool volunteer opportunity mm-hmm. for, uh, and undergrads, like undergrad, I'm thinking like NISLA even mm-hmm. like a project for NISLAs to have. Yeah. So that's funny that you actually say that because, um, our friend Jenny and I were chatting actually oh. at Claire's wedding. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and she asked me because she actually works where we went to graduate school at yeah. the university of Toledo. And she was like, I would love for this to be a project for our students yeah. well, to that's even like thinking. raise yeah. funds for. So mm-hmm. I'm starting to dip my toes in the water for that. I am okay. going to present um, at a conference in March on it. And we're just going to see where it takes us. Well, let me know if you work anything out with her. Because mm-hmm. I would love to also bring that to my grad students. Yeah. Like they're always trying to, that's what I mean. Like they, they ask us, they ask mm-hmm. the faculty to like, give them ideas on what to do because Mm -hmm. especially post COVID, a lot of stuff has either like gone virtual or isn't really happening anymore. And so they're not getting a ton of like hands-on volunteer work anymore. Um, (gasps) my next partnership. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously, that is amazing. Well, I'm going to end this, how you, how we usually end interviews, Rachel, where can people find you? (gasps) If they don't know, besides let's talk about speech podcasts, Rachel has her own Instagram. So (gasps) Yes. Wow. On the opposite end of the table. I know. Okay. Um, I do have a website that is speech is super sweet. Instagram is super sweet speech. And I do want to shout out our nonprofit, which is communication is AAC. Um, I sit on their board. I work with them, partner with them. I make free resources that we post every Friday or at least once a month. Um, we, I just got a really awesome set of Thanksgiving resources up there for them, AAC, a placemat, um, like a thankful activity, a bunch of different things. So check them out. And yeah, guys, I'll keep you posted on yeah. the gala, on the uh, I was evolution. Say, yeah, we can probably do like a three month post yes, episode, I love that. Like, update on where you're at and stuff. That would be awesome. I yes. Love and I'm just going to tease this, that Claire has big things in the works and we are going to hear all about those at some point. We don't know when, but we are going to chat about that. So we love that you guys take the time to listen to us. Um, we have had people start reaching out that they want to come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We love that. Please keep sending us the emails or the DMs. We will get you scheduled like we started the episode off with. We are so busy, but we would love to chat. And we hope to talk to you guys soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. You can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech or on my website, speechissupersweet.com. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or on Facebook 
on kindly speech. And then you can email Rachel and I, if you have any questions or concerns, we are let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Thanks.